0: Welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's Cricket Hall of Fame time. We're going to count down numbers 100 uh, to 96 on today's episode. Coming back to get into those numbers after the swish. So, Baldy, just to set the scene, we're going to count down our second episode in terms of our top 100 test cricketers of all time, uh, a.k.a. the Hall of Of fame, we have had some production meetings about this, and we're going to put six minutes on the clock for each player. Um, Listeners may hear the audible iPhone alarm going off at that six minutes. It's going to be my role um, to cut us off so that we are time box on these. Otherwise, yeah, we'd be crapping on about people for far too long. We're going to start with a pretty controversial one here. When we turned up at podcast today, we saw his ugly mug on the screen at number one (laughs) hundred. Um so without further ado, I'm going to stick six minutes on the clock and you can
1: talk about this geezer. Thanks, Binksy. Well, 100 on the list of the 100 greatest test cricketers of all time is a personal favourite of mine, but perhaps not of yours. It is David Warner. Let's have a quick look at his test career. 7,000. 311 runs at an average of 48.09 highest score of 335 not out of course against uh, I think that was New Zealand last summer was it or was it Pakistan I can't remember Pakistan, was Pakistan. Uh, 24 centuries 50 uh, 30 50s at a, a rate of uh, you know 15 hundreds per 100 innings which is which is pretty good for a test cricketer
2: Well, oh, look my favorite david warner uh Memory uh, certainly, as a New Zealand fan, is his first Test hundred, uh, which uh, happened at Hobart in 2011. Which actually, in in fairness to him, was I think the moment that I kind of realised, oh, this guy can actually play Test cricket. Because I think when you know when we think about that Test, the grass was just it was just mm. the greenest pitch you'll you've seen in in a long, long time. And when, when he first came into the game, he'd obviously come straight from T20 cricket into um, into the Australian side before he'd, before he'd even played first-class cricket. Is that right?
1: So he played international cricket uh, for Australia in T20s in one day. before he'd played a, a game yeah. for New South Wales. But he had played a couple of games for New South Wales, I think, But before he made his test debut.
2: Yeah, but even still, it, it felt like he was one of those T20 cricketers, right? That he could just go out there and bash the ball around and that Test Cricket was just above that, you know, that, that he's just going to get figured out in Test Cricket and it's, he's not going to be able to make his career. But look, he's, as much as he frustrates me when I watch him, he's built an amazing career.
3: Yeah, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. If you go back and watch that first test, that uh, first 2020 he played against South Africa, it's actually incredible. I watched it again. I watched highlights of it. The way he was hitting the ball just sound like an absolute jackhammer. Um, but, um, look, uh, and picking up on your point there He also would be In this day and age, if he came onto the scene now He would never play test cricket He would be pigeonholed as that 2020 batsman Who, who couldn't play test cricket But we all have seen him play test cricket he's, he's probably one of, if not the best opener That's been going around in the last 20 years And he's just been in control Even on grass wickets, like you said Really, really green wickets mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is there's only been six guys that have scored 100 in the first session on day one of a test match in over 2,000 tests. David Warner's one of them, Shikha Dawan's another, and then you have to go back to Majid Khan in 1976 to find someone else who scored 100 before lunch on day one of a test match. This guy can take a test away from you in the first session or even in the first 40 minutes to an hour of a test match, and he's done that on numerous occasions. His record at home is, is not as spectacular as it is um, at, at, in Australia. You know He averages, uh, I think, less than 40 uh, or, or close to 40 away from home and, and almost an incredible 60 or, or, or thereabouts at, at home. His, his average between the two is, is quite remarkable. Uh, for
0: me, I've, I'm going to make three really quick points. Number one, I think... Um, w- Look, I, I guess it's really difficult and we're going to encounter this throughout the course of this series around recency bias. Um, I think some guys that are, you know, in and around the circuit at the moment um, that we're probably going to have on here that if we're doing this in five years time, we might kind of not necessarily put in that um, in that mix. The second thing for me and Baldy, um, this is going to surprise you. Ricky Pontin I hated. Um, however, I had a big grudging hatred for him because he would be one person that I would really, really love in my side um, mm. because of his demeanour, because of the fact that he was really, really steely. I, I just don't like this guy in, in terms of his demeanour. Like I wouldn't want him in my dressing room. And that's the biggest thing for me. Um, not doubting his, um, you know, his ability, um, but th- that's the thing that really, really rankles at me. And then we can't get away from that um, that controversy uh, that that's encountered him throughout yeah, how, his career. How, how much do you do? You, you know, you mentioned last time in the preamble how
2: you do regard that in terms of uh, their legacy, and, and you're going to take all that into account. How much did you have to downgrade Warner for the you know the sandpaper incident and and the
0: other sort of things that bother people? And about Stuart him? Broad's got him on toast as well. Let's just throw that in the mix.
1: Absolutely. So that that speaks to his record away from home. Absolutely. The the Cape Town incident and the on-field controversy that has seemed to follow David Warner throughout the last five or six years of his career counts against his legacy in Test cricket. You know, if you're up against a guy who has a similar record to you but is a likeable character or hasn't, you know, run afoul of the ICC or or his, you know, governing body in terms of his behaviour on the field or even, you know, the legality of what he was involved with in Cape Town, that counts against his legacy. So, I've, you know, positive points for Warner. A bunch of them. The big one for me, and I put minus 10 here, is controversy and then another minus 10 for Cape Town. So it is a significant. Not 10 places, but it's a significant negative in terms of his overall legacy as a cricketer.
3: Well, the other thing here is that he's not finished, right? He's probably got 100%. another three, 4,000 runs in him. Yep. Um, and he's just going to fly up this
1: list. He, he, he will, but he's going to have to be better than the guy ahead of him to get ahead of him because of those controversies both on and off the field. Do you think he's liked in the Australian dressing room? I think so, yeah. I think the fact that he was welcomed back into the dressing room pretty quickly and has become not a captain or vice captain in that squad but he's still part of that leadership group I think he is well liked in that in those circles. Um, he's obviously not, probably not well liked in the Indian dressing room or, or in other international dressing rooms but when he gets together with his teammates at Sunrises for the IPL you know, he seems to be well seems liked. Like they
2: seems like they have a real love for him at Sunrises. Yeah, so
1: he, for me he's the kind of character that I know a lot of in club cricket in Australia that if he's in your team you love him and he's a great guy to have on the field with you uh, because he is um, abrasive, because he's confrontational but you just hate to play against guys like that because sometimes they make cricket particularly club cricket not all that fun well Border, we've wrapped up David Warner 5
0: minutes 51 seconds what I'll do is I'll give you that 9 seconds back on a future Australian when you're rambling on um, a little bit but let's stick another 6 minutes um, on the clock and and we will um, go to number 99 on the list
1: 99 on the list is a countryman uh, near to your heart, Adam Graham Gooch. Let's have a look at his test record, 8,900 test runs at an average of 42.58. Of course, a famous high score of 333. 20 test centuries over a 20-year international career of 1975 to 1995. Graham Gooch, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you, Adam? The first thing that comes to mind for me is he wouldn't be in
0: my England all-time 11 as opening batsman. Um, I would go with Andrew Strauss um, and Alistair Cook as my two. So, um, And look, I, I think that that was the thing that really just hit me. And I asked you the question before we came on air, is Strauss in this list of 100? Um, so for, for me, I'm surprised to, to see him here. I think we talked about it last week, the longevity piece. He's certainly got that with 118 test matches. Um, batting average you know it, it, it's good but it's not great mm-hmm. um, and I think he also played in an England side that was sort of a bit patchy um, in terms of its success on and off the field Um don't get me wrong. Um, I think people would talk him talk about him as a as a bastion of the English game. Uh, for me, I'm not sure whether he's a legend of the England game uh, purely from a, a test perspective.
3: So two questions uh, from me, Baldy. First one is: Does the fact he has a video game factor in <laughs> to to this discussion? I but didn't all- actually know he had a
1: video game. So yes, now it does. Is it a cricket video game. <laughs>
3: yeah, he yeah, moves okay. up.
1: He um, moves up 0.2 of a spot.
3: And also, how, how he's got very similar stats to, to Mark Waugh. So yep. how does he differentiate himself there?
1: Well, Graham Gooch differentiates himself in a couple of ways. One is degree of difficulty. It is much, much harder, in my view, to open the batting in England than it is to bat four in Australia, particularly as you're batting between Ponting and Steve Waugh, if you're Mark War for most of his career. Whereas Graham Gooch, if you have a look at that stat here, 40 players opened the batting for England over the course of Graham Gooch's career. Only two have a better average, and I think that was... Uh, Atherton and Vaughan, I think, um, had a better average, and only two batters had a higher average um, in that in that period than Gooch opening the batting. Only Sunil Gavaska has, I think, it was either more runs or more wickets. More runs. Yeah, only oh. Sunil Gavaska has more runs opening the batting in the, in world cricket over that period of time. So, you know, the longevity for me in this particular example counted for a lot. Um, Twenty years opening the batting in England very difficult to do. Um, Eight thousand nine hundred runs at an average of forty two is probably maybe a point or two better than than that because of the degree of difficulty.
2: You've you've kind of answered it for me that you've really put longevity you know to to the fore here, and and I think we're you know this is a debate that we'll end up having quite a lot on on a number of these players probably in the the you know hundred to eighty kind of range. Like how much do we qu- you know qualify and and really give value to that longevity over the the you know real quality of their cricket because when I thought about Gooch, certainly I, I really kind of agreed with with Binksy. I mean, I only really caught the end of Gooch's career as a player, um, but you know, I just I just don't feel like he's one of the the greats of the game, and um, I, I don't feel like he was necessarily a player who was the the best batter in the world at some point, or, or even in that conversation, you know. I, how did you kind of reconcile with that? Or oh, Binksy, do you want to jump in?
0: Yes. Yeah, so the other thing for me, it did caught a little bit of controversy as well. So I went yep. on a couple of rebel tours to South Africa. He did, yeah. Um, and, I think if you look at some of the players that spoke about that, particularly there was a little bit of a leadership um, issue through the eighties. I remember there was a t-shirt that, you know, said I'm in charge and it got swapped between both them, Gatting, Gower, Gooch, a whole (laughs) bunch of others. We, we had more captains than we had, um, hot dinners, hot dinners. Um, so he did caught a little bit of controversy with that as well. Yep. Um, look, I, yeah, I, I remember him growing up, but I'm, I've got to be with Lippi here. He, he, he doesn't feel like a great to me. He feels like a very good to me.
1: Mm. I, look, I would, I would absolutely agree with you uh, in 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 that respect. But I think the thing that made me change my decision because I looked at Gooch a couple of times and went, actually, does he deserve to be in the list? And when I wrote the first iteration of my Discussion and sent it to Stuart for editing, he came back and said, you're going to have to make a better case here because the one that you've made just doesn't cut it. So for me, it is really around longevity times degree of difficulty equals greatness in this particular scenario. Um, because if you're right, the average, the the is he the greatest in the world as an opening batsman? The legacy of Graham Gooch isn't all those things. The legacy of Graham Gooch is that he has 8,900 test runs. He has the most... List A runs, professional cricket runs of any cricketer in the history of cricket. Now, that has no bearing on his status as the greatest test player of all time. But you, it is a, it is a side note worth discussing here. You know, no one has scored more runs in the history of cricket than Graham Gooch. Nobody.
2: Yeah. It's very impressive. And, and look, you know, I, I, you know, you're right that I, you wrote that initial piece, and I just went, oh, like he, he's, you haven't convinced me at all. But I, I will give you credit that you know you've revised that piece now. And I would encourage you know people. We're not going to get to. We're not going to convince you necessarily in six minutes on any of these people. Baldi's written big, long articles about all of them, and and it's a much more compelling case. And, And certainly when I read it this time around, I went, actually, you know... He does have a strong case. He averages 46 at home. He averages, uh, you know, you, you made the case how difficult it is to open. Uh, I, I went on. I always love to go on and, and look at the eye test. I went on and watched a couple of his innings. It seemed like, you know, the last 10 years of his career were very, very strong, whereas mm. the start of his career was he a bit patchy. a couple of times.
1: this four years of test cricket in the early days. So You, yep, you know, I,
2: I still have questions on whether I would have him on this list, but you'd certainly
0: made a compelling case. And that just about wraps up time for Graham Gooch as well as the buzzer um, goes off. I should point out, because I know that Baldy's parents listened to the podcast, this isn't um, gang up on Baldy through 100 cricketers. <laughs> we'll um, eventually <laughs> agree on one. I think uh, there's uh,
1: one that we'll agree on. Uh,
0: in all seriousness, though, um, and Lippy made the point, there's a whole lot of supporting info on all of these guys and we're just sitting here to, to really apply, I think, the eye test and to try and pick Baldy's um, stats apart. My mind is boggling at, you know, uh, what was it, destruction versus devastation, times by longevity... Over. Oh, longevity <laughs>
1: times degree of difficulty. I've been watching too much Olympics in the last few days.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so look, um, Baldy has done the stats. So I think w- when you look at this list, it's got some science behind it, but um, we wouldn't be able to um, stretch to six minutes a person if we weren't allowed to disagree. Who
1: have we got at number 98... 98 is a real interesting one for me. From longevity to peak performance, we move from Graham Gooch for England to Ian Bishop of the West Indies. Only the 43 test matches, actually, for Ian Bishop. 161, I think, test wickets. memory. 161 at an average of 24.27 and a strike rate of 52.2. If you have a look, uh, just the six five-wicket innings in his career and no 10-wicket bags over 42 tests. But a great strike rate and a really, really good average. So, Baldy here,
2: you know, I just I went and looked at the stats. I mean, to be fair, I, I did not realise. Ian Bishop was another one. I was like, oh, he's not in the top 100 cricketers. And then I looked at his stats, and, and you just rattled them off. Great strike rate, great, uh, you know, great average.
1: I really didn't realise, you know, how, how good they were. That strike rate, by the way, top 24 in the in all of the players we considered and his bowling average is 29th all time of those guys that were qualified for the Hall of Fame.
0: How do those numbers compare to someone like Shane Bond? Bondy obviously less test matches I think than, than Bondy's got the
1: third um, best strike rate
0: of all time. Yep.
1: Um, but he's yeah. only he's only got 87 test wickets. So you I, I really wanted to make a case for Shane Bond and I think we'll probably do a piece on Shane Bond at some point as a tribute to the career that he had for New Zealand because it is significant in the New Zealand context but A lot of these guys just don't quite have enough wickets to get into that conversation. Ian Bishop with 161 barely gets on the radar for me, Mm. but his strike rate and average is so compelling that I just had to make a case for him.
3: It's one of those ones when you actually extrapolate it out a little bit. You're looking at, you know, 400, 450 wickets for 100 test matches, which which, which is starting to get into some serious, 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 serious numbers.
1: Absolutely, and if you have a look at the three peaks that Ian Bishop goes through in his career, because he was injured a lot, when he was on song he was taking wickets at an average of 18 at a strike rate of 40 odd which is which is world class all time and he had three separate peaks like that throughout his career you can read them in the piece if you want to listeners uh, at topwaterpodcast.com, uh, number 98 he he. When he was on song, he was a he. He was a world class bowler and a world class attack.
2: But you know, I, I completely agree with that, and you certainly made your point strongly there. But you know, I I try to look for some comparable numbers. So we've got guys like Shoah Akhtar who has more wickets, similar average, better strike rate. Mm-hmm. You've got someone like Mitchell Stark who has a, almost a hundred more wickets. Sim, you know slightly better, uh, worse average strike rate, similar again. Jason Gillespie, similar average, good strike rate, and then you have pe- people like lion who we mentioned Chiminda Vas Harbhajan who have way more wickets and yep. who haven't made this list you know what what is the strongest case that you have for, for Ian Bishop because I, I you know how do you compare someone who's how do you leave out someone who has 417 wickets like Harbhajan does who
1: has 161 yeah look it's a really good question and for me it's a combination of not just that average and strike rate across his career But if you have a look at those three separate peaks that he gets into in terms of his career, and we'll just bring them up here so you guys can see them on the website. He has three separate peaks in his career, 88 to to 1990, and he's averaging about 23, 19 and change, 18 and change in that period. So, you know, that's all-time type record. A strike rate under 50, 46, and 39 and change. So, again, all-time strike rate at his peak and he had three separate ones in his career, and that was the deciding factor for me, is when he got to the top, he stayed there until he got injured, and then he got back to the top again, and he got back to the top again. And so I give him credit for bouncing back from severe injury time and time again in his career to becoming a world-class bowler. And not that other, those other guys aren't world-class, but for me, to be able to do that three separate times in his career, I, had, I, I gave that a lot of weight in my deliber- deliberations.
2: Just um, to and another thing that popped up in Ian e. Bishop's career, and when you think about it, and I'll, I'll, I know your view on it, Baldy. So I'll ask Raj and Binksy. How do you view him in as someone who was potentially the the fourth bowler in their attack? You know, you had Courtney Walsh, Curtly Ambrose, Malcolm Marshall. Malcolm Marshall in the side at that time. Do you think that that helps? you know, that it hurts his case because it means he can't get as many wickets as someone like, and or does it actually, you know, strengthen his case because he he was able to perform so well even with other people taking all the wickets?
0: Yeah, look, I'd probably take the the, the case that it, it sort of harms his case, if, if you like. I, I think, you know, you, when you've got that firepower, it probably makes it potentially a little bit easier. I've not gone into the stats, so I don't know whether he's tail burgled his whole career or whether he's, <laughs> you know, not the cream off. Well, he certainly um, hasn't opened the bowling. Yeah, exactly. He's not got the new rock too often. But I I think the other thing that I would say is when we're talking about longevity... um. And look, I've got a really good mate who I played a lot of cricket with who was fantastic, one of the most talented players that I think I ever played with, but he couldn't stay on the park for, for long enough. And and I always used to, you know, sort of half joke with him and say, mate, if you could stay fit, you'd be a, you know, you, you would be a world beater. And I think that that's part of it as well, is that longevity has got to come into the fact that there are some bowlers, um, particularly seamers, who have absolutely gone through those pain barriers. And that's not to disparage uh, in Bishop at all, but there's some guys that have really gone through that and still managed to put those numbers up over a lot of test matches. So for mm. me, that longevity piece doesn't work.
3: I, I think it actually helps his case. Uh, I think that he, you you look through history, there's great Australian attacks, even that West Indian attack. They still shared the wickets around. It's not like they didn't get, get shared around. It probably hurts Walsh and Ambrose if he actually played a full career. Mm, you know? yeah. So I think, I think that, that helps his case, bowling mm. in a good unit.
1: Look, I think we're probably going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I would still have him in my list, but I think he's at risk of dropping off potentially if someone like uh, Stark takes a few more wickets and there are other bowlers there that are going to push for a case as well. So he's on there for now, but you know, watch this space for the next time around. And just so you can hear it there, we have got the timer. So Baldi has gone right to cue again,
0: almost as if he's been uh, practising with a hairbrush in front of his mirror. (laughs) Um, Talking of hairbrushes, let's get to number 97 with these beautiful curly locks. Six minutes on the clock.
1: That is a terrific Barnett for number 97 on our list. David Gower uh, from England, left-handed top order player. 117 tests for David Gower, 8,231 runs at an average of 44, and a bit 18 centuries and 39 fifties. And that 18 centuries is 53rd all time on our list. Uh, and I had him ranked around that sort of 40 mark in terms of batters. If we have a look at his at his peaks, uh, he had three sort of peaks: 83, 84, 85, and then in 1990, where he averaged over 70 in each of those series, scoring 400 plus runs. He only played three games against India and. Uh, in 1990 but still managed to get 291 runs in three tests so when he got hundreds he got big hundreds um, and he was a very very stylish player to boot yeah
2: tell us a little bit about that because probably that's what we're not uh, we haven't done in these first couple that we've done in this episode tell us you know what was David Gower like to actually watch and and uh, enjoy when he was batting
1: I think this is probably more of a question for Adam because I didn't watch a hell of a lot of David Gower growing up as a kid. I must have at some point watched David Gower play uh, when I was a young fellow watching maybe the 87 Ashes or even uh, the Ashes in sort of that 1991 era. But I don't, I don't remember watching David Gower bat and it must have been some sight to behold because by all reports he was a very, very stylish player.
0: Yeah, so I I think the word that, you know, comes for me, definitely graceful, which you've obviously got in the write-up. Laconic would be the other word that I would use. And Mm. I think he got a lot of criticism at times um, because he did schnick off. Mm. um, But then he was a left-hander and he liked hitting the ball through the cover. So, you know when you look at, at any test battery bats in the top five, they're probably going to schnick off now and again. <laughs> mm. So he, he got a massive amount of criticism, I think, for almost seeming not to care. But you can't play that many test matches, average that many runs, um, and then go on to commentate for years and years and years. And he was, you know, as stylish as a commentator as he was a, a left-handed batsman. Mm. Um, he cared deeply about the game. When he lost the captaincy, he was one of those guys with the T-shirts. Um, it, it, it hurt him deeply. I remember watching him grow up Absolutely love watching him um, play and uh, look a, a fantastic, fantastic cricketer to watch and a, a sensational fielder as well. Really, really modern in the way that he fielded in the covers as well.
3: Mm. Yeah, for me, I, I didn't see him growing up at all, but uh, before my time. But from what I watched on, on YouTube, he made betting look really easy, didn't mm, he? Yeah. It, was re- it was really, really classy. What the, the interesting stat I found out about him when doing a little bit of research was that out of 204 innings, he he top scored for Indian in England 46 times. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at what one and five there, one and four in the middle there. That 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 shows that he had that consistency, even though he did have those times where he did snick off early. But he just made batting look easy. That, that's what I thought when I saw him back.
2: Looks and and some of the same kind of cri- criticisms and questions that we levelled at Gooch in terms of longevity and kind of how do you compare someone like Gower who might and and Gooch who, to you know guys who've had shorter careers Pro- probably a, a good question for us to ask ask you, There's one that came in uh, via email from from VP and and how how do you how have you kind of compensated for the fact that the big three nations play a lot more tests? So you know as we go through this list, we're going to see players from England and Australia and, and and the more modern players from India yep. are, are going to just have a lot more runs than everyone else and a lot more wickets because they play so many more tests.
1: Yeah, and, and without going too deep into this question, because we've only got two, two and a half minutes left on the clock, the rate at which somebody scores hundreds, so 100s per 100 innings, 50s per 100 innings, was all added up into the kind of overall score, if you like, for a player when I went to rank them from a stats point of view. So while David Gow played a lot of test matches, he scored a lot of runs there, 27th on the list, 28th in 50s, he was in the sort of 100, 150 range in terms of that rate of 50s to 100s per 100 innings, Mm. which isn't brilliant. It's not someone who's in the top 40 like, so Warner was sort of 40 to 50-ish or or. 20 I think in terms of his hundreds so you you have a look at that and you think okay he didn't get to 100 that often and that was one of the criticisms that was leveled at him in his career is like this guy for all the skill and talent in the world didn't go on and get hundreds as often as he should have didn't go on and get big scores as as often as he should have I think that the criticism there of David Gower is that he was so good that when he got out a bit like Mark Waugh It it looked like he didn't care. It looked like he wasn't trying, which Mm. is not the case. It's absolutely not the case with either of those two cricketers. They absolutely did care about their performance on the field. But when they were that good that they made it look that easy and they wanted to score runs and entertain, and they got out doing that, that, you know, that's what people criticised him for.
0: And and I don't want to throw stats around willy-nilly, but there's a stat there that backs that up. You know, his test average higher than his first-class batting average just showed... But on the international stage nearly 5 points higher um you know that makes a you know that, that makes a difference to me about that mental strength that someone like um go ahead and and let's let's also add he played for a pretty shit england team for a period of time as well so yep. um i think there's a i don't really know whether that's there. in the stats but um, there's got to be a you were in a shit team um, bump on the <laughs> algorithm somewhere
1: there is, there is to a certain extent. Um, some players get it, some players don't because their stats will be better than their peers. Um, David Gower compares relatively well to his peers, particularly England players in that period. He was a lot better than 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 his than his cohort, which gives him a little bit of a bump in terms of some of those rankings. He's on the bubble though. He he qualifies. He, you know, he was in a shootout for Mark Wall for that last spot. More runs, better average. Um, you know, slightly better legacy from a from a um, from an off field perspective, um, but he just wins that race for Mark Wall for that sort of ninety seven spot. Maybe just on the on the haircut. Oh, the haircut's fantastic.
2: I, I think the point that you made around uh, the first class runs is actually really imp- mm. really good one for that era. Nice Be- of you to say so. Because no, well, because you think now. I actually think, you know, test wickets are, are probably better than that you play in first class cricket. But back then, it was probably, uh, you know, a lot more on the same level, perhaps.
0: Yep. And then, you know, much stronger bowling attacks that you're facing. So there goes the buzzer. So we're going to move, uh, move on. So who is after uh, David Gower on the list? Six minutes um, on the clock for our next um, entrant into the Hall of
1: Fame. Yeah, a very English feel to tonight's uh, discussion of 100 to 96. We have another English stalwart, I think, is probably the best way to describe him. Bulldog is another. Alex Stewart, the top order slash number three slash middle order slash number seven batsman and sometimes wicketkeeper for England. Just incredible how many matches he played and how many hundreds he scored up and down the order. Like he has 100 or multiple hundreds, batting at almost every position in that top seven. Uh, batting at seven is the only time that he didn't score a 100. Higher score of 76, not out. But an average of 62.5 batting at number seven for England. So he batted all up and down the order, sometimes kept in a bit of a timeshare with Jack Russell for that English wicket-keeping position over the course of his career. Had a batting average of 39.54 overall, 8,463 runs across his 133 tests. But if you have a look at his batting average, opening the batting uh, is 44.64. So on par with Gower, better than Gooch opening the batting for England. And just a shade under Alistair Cook at 44.68 opening the batting for England.
2: Yeah, look. What um I'm most interested is in, in with Stuart is sort of how much bump you gave to him for being a wicketkeeper, and and I guess you know you've, in your your article you've got the stats about you know wicketkeepers and and who've scored the most runs, and uh, it's I, I in my own head I've been trying to struggle with the fact that like if he was a where do we rank that as a skill, wicket keeping? Because you know, if you're an all rounder, very, very highly. Well, that, but that's the thing, isn't it? Because if you're an all rounder and you have an average of thirty five, you know, thirty with the ball, and Ben Stokes is thirty eight, yeah, whatever. You know, if you have if there's no plus or minus that you can really do as a as a wicket keeper, and we, how do you you know how have you managed to think about that in terms of your your rankings here?
1: In terms of the rankings, he definitely gets a bump for being a wicketkeeper. I I qualified him as a wicketkeeper on the list, so he counts as one of my nine wicketkeepers in the Hall of Fame. But is that the only reason he's here? No, not at all. Uh, Average of 46, or sorry, 44, I think, at the top of the order for, for an opening batter. I think he averages 46 not as a wicketkeeper, something of that order. You know, that is a very, very good first class, or sorry, test record in England for an English player to play 133 tests and still average 46. So, you know, that's on par with, with you know, some of the greats of the game in terms of English cricket. And that's where he gets that um, that's bump from me. 8,463 runs. A bit like uh, Gower, a bit like Gooch, was asked to do a lot for his team, bat up and down the order, wear the gloves, don't wear the gloves, carry the drinks, well, not, maybe not carry the drinks, but mix the drinks, <laughs> drive the bus to the ground. I mean, Alex Stewart did everything. He captained the side after a long time. In an era where England were spectacularly unsuccessful, Alex Stewart was a fighter. And I give him a lot of credit for fighting England into games and getting England draws in games that they probably otherwise wouldn't have gotten.
3: Yeah, I guess for me, when I think about Alex Stewart, I. I remember him being a bit of an impediment. I always think that we, we just couldn't get him out. And I had a look at his stats today and he actually averaged 65 across his three tours to New Zealand. Yeah. So he, he he fits that, that mould for me. And he, always, he also looked like someone that I wouldn't want to piss off. You know <laughs> there's, what I a, mean?
2: there's a great little clip of him uh, sledging Ranatunga yes, in a, in a one day that. game. That I saw brilliant. that.
3: But I guess he, he was there. He was quite stoic in a time of a little bit of instability in the late 90s in England. Yeah, look, for
0: me, and I'm kind of glad in a way um, because I haven't done the stats in the same way as Bordie, but when um, I was prepping for for tonight and I looked at um, this list, I I, I just went, hold on a sec, like Matt Pryor is uh, on the list ahead of Alex Stewart for me, um, purely based on his um, wicketkeeping stats. And Bordy's got it up here in a table. Almost identical number of test matches as wicket-keeper, Alex Stewart versus Matt Pryor. And Matt Pryor's average is six points um, ahead uh, with 100 more as well and, and, a, and a bunch more 50s. Um, I think Stewart was probably... Shaded him as a keeper, um, but not massively. You alluded to that Jack Russell um, period. If if we'd have been able to balance the side with an all-rounder after Botham's retirement, and then Stuart probably wouldn't have got the gloves so often and, and Russell would have shown his wares on, on the stage as a, as a keeper. Um, for me, the other stuff, the fact that we messed him around, the fact that he batted everywhere between one and seven and it was choppy and changey, that doesn't really put him in that, again, in that best England side, of uh, even of my growing up. Um, You know, I, I think that I would have prior in my, you know, a, a 11 of the people that I've seen play, mm. um, not, notwithstanding, you know, you've got Alan Nott and, and some others that we'll talk about as well. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's a compelling enough argument when you look at his base stats, which are he averages under 40 in Test cricket. What, what do you think of, Banksy, it's probably more a question for you, you know, how much
2: has he contributed to... The England cricket legacy, because, you know, if we compare peer and we oh, keep...
0: Without doubt. Yeah, with, without doubt. Um, I, I definitely think he, he's got that. He's got an excellent okay. standing in the game. Um, I, I, I love Alex Stewart. Um, I, I would just actually go into bat um, a little bit more for, for, for Matt Pryor. And maybe I'll actually um, share a piece um, on our website that I wrote about Matt Pryor as well. Um, as to why he'd probably make it ahead of uh, ahead of Stewie, the governor. Well, the point that I was going to make there is that,
2: you know, when I think about wicketkeeper batsmen, someone like Brendan McCullum probably doesn't have the stats that, that Stewart has, but potentially has made a bigger impact on New Zealand cricket than, than Stewart, Stewart has on English. English cricket. I don't know. Mm. That's sort of a, a question. But, you know, again, those sort of things are, are things we have to weigh up here.
3: So just to follow on that point, I guess today we've looked at, at three real leaders in the English sort of history or in that period there. How much has that affected them getting from, you know, above a hundred to getting into that that hundred?
1: Absolutely, leadership plays a huge part, um, both for Gower and for Gooch. Captain England, Alex Stewart, captain England as well. Um, not a great uh, start to England, Stewart's Test career in terms of captaincy. I think he finally got a series win at some point in his career, but but not much success and. Growing up watching him, I kind of felt bad for him on occasion because he's a very good Test cricketer, Alex Stewart. But he just never seemed to win, and and it, and it kind of made me not feel sad for him, but feel like he deserved more success than he than he got, Alex Stewart. So there is maybe a bit of internal bias there in including Alex Stewart in in our list of the top 100 of all time. Matt Pryor's got a great case. There are lots of number of, uh, of other batsmen a great case. None of them have 8,000 runs though, and and when push comes to shove. I found it real hard to leave guys off the top 100 who scored 8,000 test runs in cricket, and Alex Stewart has.
0: Well, Bordy, what what a place uh, to end this little episode. An Australian's um, pity for um, an Englishman. (laughs) We will be back next week to talk um, about the next five on this list. Um, um, To Michael's parents, we promise we're not ganging up on him, but we will be back next week, um, and I'm sure he'll have to answer um, some questions about longevity um, over time multiplied by runs and uh, uh, divided by the number of good wickets you've played on.
1: Well, certainly the English and New Zealand judges have been harsh tonight, but I'm hoping for a better performance next week. I'm looking forward to it. 95 to 91 next week on the Top Topwater Podcast. Stay tuned.
0: And guys, please do check in on the website. Bordies put an awful lot of work into it. The, the, there is a thesis on each of these players um, on the website. Some pictures as well. You can go and look at Jack, David Warner jumping up and down like a great galah. <laughs> um, but we'll see you next week. Good night. God bless.